Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Learning the Tropes. I just wanted to come on here um, before we get started with the official episode, uh, just because I have a few things I just wanted to, to chat with you all about. So the first thing um, is we might have a few new listeners this week, and I want to say welcome. I hope you stick around. Um, the format of Learning the Tropes is uh, I will have basically three different kinds of episodes. So the first kind is author interviews. So mostly romance authors talking about their books, talking about their process. Uh, the next will be veteran episodes. And so that's when somebody who is a romance fan will come and chat with me and bring me a book that they love that I haven't read yet. And we'll kind of discuss the book from there. Then we have virgin episodes. And that is what this is this week, where a guest who has never read a romance novel before will join me to chat about a romance novel that I've chosen for them. Uh, so the way it works, there are two part episodes. The first part is uh, what you're going to be hearing next. And that is when um, the guest and I kind of sit down and chat about their approach to romance novels, sort of what preconceived notions they might have, how excited they are, kind of what they might be looking for in a romance novel. Uh, and then I give them one to read. This week, um, we, I chatted with a dear friend who is a director and producer and writer and kind of everything, uh, America Ferreira. Um, she is obviously currently on strike as she is a member of SAG. And um, so we weren't able to chat about kind of any of her past, present, future work. So if you're wondering why it is that those things don't come up. It's because of the strike. And here at Learning the Tropes, we are and will always be uh, fiercely pro-union. So um, want to send out, you know, good wishes to everybody who is currently striking. Um, so that's uh, that's this week's episode. Next week is going to be a longer episode, normally about an hour, where we'll talk through the book. It'll be kind of like a book report. If you're new and you want to find out more, figure out what we're reading next, you could always follow me on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. Um, that's mostly where I'm posting kind of what's coming up next. Um, all right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for joining me. I'm so excited to have everybody here and I'm absolutely thrilled to have America with me as well. So I hope you all enjoy. Welcome everybody to this episode of Learning the Tropes. Uh, today I'm introducing a virgin reader to romance and our reader this week is actress, author, producer, director, and dear friend, America Pereira. Hi, America. Hi, Erin. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me and doing this. It's, um, I, I'm always so excited to introduce people to romance novels, but especially, you know, you've been front lines for my journey to romance. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I am curious, you know, you've been one of my best friends for, geez, how many years now? Who even knows? Um, many. Like 20. I mean, or 19. Geez. I love No, time. not 20. Oh, shit. Almost 20. <laughs> Is this a family podcast? Am I not allowed to say words like shit? Oh, we've said so much worse than shit. <laughs> of course, this is a romance podcast. Um, yes, we've been friends so long. And then, you know, I know that you've always been like an avid reader and consumer of worldly things. Um, but then I was like, I didn't ever realize you were so into romance novels. 
And then you started a podcast about it. And then <laughs> we were sitting on my couch and I was like, what? Tell me about romance novels. Like my only understanding of romance novels is a very pedestrian mainstream one of like, oh, there must be lots of like, you know, hot, you know, shower masturbation scenes in, in a romance novel. But I feel like that's because I don't know anything. And so I'm like, one of my best friends literally has a podcast about romance novels. Maybe I should learn about it. So here we are. I'm here to learn. Tell me. Exactly. Well, so we talked a little bit that evening on the couch about romance novels, and then you very astutely were like, let's just save this all for the podcast. So we, we had like a mini convo, and now we're going to have a longer convo. And I'm going to sign you a book, which you have been carrying around with you for months. And then your schedule has opened up. Because my my union just had to go on a strike for me to, <laughs> to figure this out. But yes, actors are striking, writers are striking. And so... I'm like, what else is there to do but talk about romance novels? Let's go, girl. Exactly. I am going to read the book. I carried it with me. Yes, you're right. So on many flights and hotel rooms and I, you know, I'm tired. So I didn't read it, <laughs> but I'm going no. to, I'm nothing if not a good student. So now that, now that, um, you know, now that the, an assignment is, has been given, I will, I will do it. And so do you remember the two things that a book needs to have to be a romance novel? Oh God. Um, um, a happy ending. Yes. I I say a happy ending. I remember yes. that. I love that. I love that idea that if it doesn't have a happy ending, it's not a romance, it's a love story, which That's is cool. easy to remember because of the movie love story, which is so sad and does not have a happy ending. Okay. So I love that. And then, was the first one like um, something about like the way people meet or something? What is the, what is, sorry, what's the first, what's, I can't remember it. What's the first a, rule? A central love story. A central love story. Okay. So it yeah. can't be like, uh, you know, a B plot. Exactly. It can't be like just in the background. Oops. And in the end, they end up in love. Like it has to be the story. And it can be obviously, there are sapphic love stories, there are gay love stories, there are poly, there are romance novels, you know, so the configuration is is very open. There are monster romances, shifter romances. It's Wait, monster romances? Oh yes, we talked about this a little bit. Yeah, monster romances are, I mean, they're not new, but they're really having a moment right now where it's just different mythical creatures falling in love with people. And the thing that I love about romance is that the women, mostly women, who write these stories, even if it is like a centaur falling in love with a woman or a minotaur, it's like taken very seriously. <laughs> and it's written like, what would it be like if a min uh, minotaur fell in love with a woman? And you get to read it. <laughs> One of the things that you said that, that, that made me interested in learning more was, you know, about because you take it seriously. And so mm -hmm. that that is enough to pique my interest of like, why do you take it seriously? And then I'm a little bit ashamed that I haven't taken it seriously. But one of the things you said, and maybe you can elaborate because I was like, wait, stop talking. Let's record it for your podcast. Um, was what you said about how like, you know, that romance is like, it's literature, but it has been kind of relegated to some niche diminished 
genre because it's mostly written by women and for women. And I found that super interesting. And like, what is, do you even know? I mean, I feel like you know the history of everything. You just had a better public education than, than I did. But um, uh, what what is the history of romance novels? Like, do you actually know? So I wrote, like, romance novels have existed since, like, Jane Austen. And so, like, Jane Austen wrote contemporary romances. She wrote what was happening around her. And a lot of her books are romance novels. Romance so novels. romance novels before Jane Austen? No, there certainly were. I mean, love stories about a couple falling in love that ended happily. I mean, honestly... Yes, they had to have existed, but they didn't. But a lot of times also they end tragically because I think there's somebody much smarter than me can talk about why we take a romance that ends in somebody dying or, or people being hurt more seriously than one where people end up whole and in love and in community and why mm -hmm. those like one is devalued. Um, but romance novels in the way that we think about romance novels now really started with a book called The Flame and the Flower. That was the, this first romance that was basically just like centered a woman and centered her story falling in love. And it was, it's a tough read now because the thing that romance always does is a, reflect the society that it's a part of at the moment and, and what's happening in society. And I think also because women are have to be so forward thinking just because of um i don't know if it's like having children or you just i feel like women are constantly looking to the future in a certain way um it's it's pretty in tune with that and so with these early romances there was something called forced seduction which is kind of the original sin of romance uh which is basically women weren't allowed to be outwardly sexual and to have uh, outwardly sexual desires. And so in order for us to like this woman, we needed to have her say like, no, no, no to sex and then eventually be taken over by passion. And that's how we knew she was a good, good girl. Mm. Not the case currently with romance and with romance, you won't, consent is huge with modern romance. I mean, anything written after like the mid nineties, um, unless it's a specific like dark romance. That's so interesting. So in a way it like tracks with where we are culturally with like women and their sexuality, with their, their permission to own their sexuality. Exactly. Yeah. And it was, it's a space where women were allowed to have desire in a way that I think, you know, we're not allowed to always in society, we always have to have this dichotomy of, um, being very good at sex, but not wanting sex um, and all of these things in a way where uh, romance novels really allowed for that in a way that I thought was really important. And I think the other thing with romance novels and why it's derided, it's a genre that always seems to be judged by the worst books and not mm. the best. Mm. So it's, um, which I think is emblematic also of uh, an experience of womanhood. And I think um, you know, because people, when they're like, find out I like romance novels, they're like, are they good? And it's such a crazy question because it's like, are movies good? Like, well, yes. There are Some good are ones and there are bad ones. I mean, it yeah. feels like the film equivalent is like romantic comedies, right? The fact that we, you know, romantic comedies are about women, for women, like those, and that they are some sort of like sub, like B-class genre of film. Right. 
or it's okay to not try as hard with a romantic comedy just because like oh just like women are gonna read whatever it is where I think there are some truly transformative romance novels that I think can be up there with any of like the great novels that have been written I think Flowers from the Storm by Laura Kinsale is one of them. Lord of Scoundrels by Loretta Chase is one where these are just phenomenal books and phenomenal writing. Mm. Um, The other thing I was thinking about when you were talking about like, you know, this being a place where women could just even like, you know, express sexual desire or, you know, one of the things I was remembering was like reading a long time ago, maybe it's a totally out of date finding but I remember just a really long time ago reading about research that was that like that that a majority of women's women's desire responds to story in a way that like I and I think it was like you know that that um, that that the majority of the time men responded to pictures. And that women's bodies didn't respond the same way to pictures. They responded to story. And I thought mm-hmm. that was fascinating. And again, I might've just quoted a very out of date and, and debunked you know, uh, piece of research, but I found that fascinating. And I, um, do we know, do, do you know, do, do men read romance novels? I mean, yeah, there are men who read romance novels. There are men who write romance novels. I mean, a lot of time it's gay romance novels. I think it's such a small, it's a, it's a small part of the genre, but like definitely they do exist. Yeah. But I, I agree. And I think that's also the thing about romance novels when people are just like, oh, it's just about sex. And it's just like a way for women to get off. And like, listen, there are some sexy romance novels and I have assigned you one that is sexy but it is only sexy in the context of the greater story. So the buildup over time that once these characters are having sex, you're like, hell yes, I earned this, you know, in a way that if you were to just pull these sex scenes out, they would not have the same weight. And then inversely, if they didn't exist in the book, they wouldn't, also the story would be incomplete because sex is ultimately a way of communication and sort of the way that you have sex says something about emotionally where you are and how you're able to explore and how you're able to feel intimacy with somebody. Now what's the feeling inside the romance novel community around like the idea that it's all about just like getting off like that that it's it's like you know that it's like a playboy but with more words and the point of it is to like get all hot and bothered and then and then pleasure yourself somehow but i think the thing is i mean so there's like erotic romance which is really just focused uh-huh. kind of it, it, that's more centering just the sex scenes in a way that a romance novel doesn't need to have sex scenes so i mean the, mm-hmm. the title see for, this is interesting to me this is all yeah. nuance that is just does not you know, enter the mainstream. So there's a difference between like an erotic novel and a romance novel. Yes. So if it centers the sex acts, then that's an erotic romance versus, you know, it's called clean romance. I think they're trying to like figure out a new word for it. 
for obvious reasons, but like, mm. then there's also, and those will be closed door, which means that you don't go into the bedroom with the characters. Normally you just, they like kiss or something. I mean, sometimes oh. it's even Christian romances where I don't know that they do that before they get married. Tell me about the book you assigned me and like okay. your tropes. What are, do you want to tell me what the tropes are that I should be looking out for? Or should we save that for the conversation after I've read it? I mean, I think we could save it for the conversation after you've read it, but I'm more than happy to talk about the book that I assigned you. And it was so hard coming up with a book for you, you know, because we cycle through a few books. Because I think whenever you're assigning somebody their first romance, you definitely want it to be one that you know that they'll enjoy. So I cycle through a few. Um, and then I finally came upon this book, which is Suddenly You by Lisa Claypass. Because I think Lisa Claypass is such a such a wonderful romance author and the way that she writes is very tropey and fun but has a lot of weight to it she does a lot of things in every one of her books she uses like objects in a very interesting way every one of her books has like a special object in it um and i think this book is a classic romance but also has enough of a twist that you'll enjoy so basically it's about a woman named Amanda and it takes place in London in the like 1800, late 1800s. Yeah. And she's an author and she is turning 30 and she decides that she wants to have sex. So she goes to a madam to have somebody arrange to have her send somebody over. Uh, the person that the madam sends over is not a gigolo, <laughs> but instead her editor unbeknownst to her. And then that sort of starts from there. And I think, oh my gosh, <laughs> scandalous. I know. And so it kind of sets off a lot of really interesting tropes within it, which is like mistaken identity and um, her being on her own. And it also sets up sort of the world within uh, romance novels, kind of the setting of how it exists. What are some of the general tropes yeah because the thing about romance too that i love is it is the parameters are so specific and that the central love story and we know it's going to end happily and the amount that writers are able to move within that space as far as like so many different stories i find so fascinating when we know how it's going to end um and so yeah so there's enemies to lovers there's secret baby um, there's oh, secret baby enemies secret to lovers. Baby. Yeah. Secret baby mistaken identity. Um, okay. like alpha male, um, virgin heroine. Um, you can get really specific with the, with the tropes, but they are also writers are able to sort of utilize these tropes or sort of like the paint that they're able to paint with and you can see how each trope is explored differently based on the author. All right. So then maybe next time I'll come to you with a list of what I think a trope might be, and then you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a great idea. Okay. Well, I'm excited to read the book. Yeah. How are you feeling going into your first romance? You know, I feel genuinely like relieved to be reading something like fun and not like for work or that's super serious or like self-helpy. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yay, <laughs> I'm kind of excited about that. 
I, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm just going into it with like a super open mind. It's the first like explicitly romance novel that I've ever taken on. So I can't, I'm really excited. I can't wait to talk about it when I'm all done. Okay, good. And this, so you have a week to read it almost exactly or exactly. And also the thing about romance novels, if it takes you more than three days to read one, and now you have family and a job and all these other extenuating factors, but like you should tear through a romance novel and especially a clay pass. I feel like you're okay. gonna tear through it. Thanks so much for doing this. And so if anybody wants to follow you, I can't imagine, <laughs> that, but you're America Ferreira on all. Instagram's the only one I really do. I don't do the others. Okay. Um, uh, just at America Ferreira. I'm excited to have an assignment and also like to finish a book between now and next Friday. I'm like, I can do it. You can do it. I believe in you. Um, yeah. Tell the kids, be like, it's something special for Zia. And so you need to leave me alone. <laughs> I'll see Zia needs me to read this book. Yeah. Um, Baz will be like, what are they doing on the cover of that book? I will tell you, whenever Celia comes over, she always picks out all of my romance novels off the shelf because she's just like, these pretty dresses. And I'm like, yeah, girl. I'm like, in about 10 years, we'll get you reading those. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I love it. Um, um, okay, well, I have homework to do then. I'm going to go read my book and then we'll TV, TVC this convo. That means to be continued. That's how the- Oh, to be continued? You know, yeah. yeah, that's what the oh. young people say. <laughs> well, we'll see everybody. We'll see you next time for the America's first romance novel. It's thrilling. Until then, everybody, happy reading. Yay. Thank you. Happy reading.